When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Gaia.com, the on-demand streaming TV service that helps you achieve your highest potential at your convenience. To get your first month at only 99 cents, visit GAIA.com forward slash My 7 Chakras. My 7 Chakras, episode 224. I believe in the power of prayer, the energy of love, the strength of faith, and the promise of hope. The seven chakras, swirling vortices of energy, positioned throughout our body, from the base of the spine to the crown of the head. For thousands of years, this ancient wisdom has been passed on from master to disciple. What are the functions of these energy centers? And could these chakras help you unlock your destiny and find your true purpose? Welcome to My Seven Chakras, and now... Your host, Aditya Jai Kumar. What's up, Action Tribe? AJ here, founder and host of My 7 Chakras, the show where we dive deep into the ancient world to uncover nuggets of wisdom that will help you find your life's purpose. Now, if you have any questions on topics like energy healing or spirituality or meditation, then you have arrived at your destination. But before diving into today's interview, I've got a quick announcement to make. After doing over 210 interviews, I've learned that uh, all of our listeners love our book recommendations uh, that are shared during the wisdom round at the end of each session. So what I did was I put together a reading list containing 21 must-read spiritual books. If you want to download a copy, all you have to do is visit our website, my7chakras.com forward slash reading list. That's my seven as in the word, my7chakras.com forward slash reading list. So make sure you download uh, a copy and share this with your friends and family because you never know the difference that even one of your actions could make. And now let's bring on our special guest for today. In fact, a repeat guest, Ambika Waters. Ambika are you ready to inspire? I am. Great. So Ambika has written about chakras and their archetypes. These archetypes embody responsibility, empowerment, and energy. As we develop our archetypes, uh, they become stronger and we experience more energy. She explores how linking classic archetypes to the seven chakras in the human energy system can reveal unconscious ways of behaving and serving as a valuable tool for transformation and healing. Archetypes, which Carl Jung uh, defined as patterns of behavior, have emerged out of the core of the human experience. The mother and the victim, the lover and the actor, the warrior and the servant. So this episode, today's episode is all about diving deeper into this fascinating topic and learning a bit more about how we govern our lives consciously as well as subconsciously. This is actually her second appearance on our show. In case you haven't caught the first one, uh, that was during episode 128. So you can go to my7chakras.com forward slash 128, catch up with the first episode and then join us back again. So Ambika, thanks once again for joining me on this episode. Thank you. Great. So as you know, we always begin each episode with some inspiration. So what is your favorite inspirational quote and how does that apply in your life? 
This is the one I read on the very first interview, and I'm going to read it again because it sits right in front of me every day. I believe in the power of prayer, the energy of love, the strength of faith, and the promise of hope. And I feel that embodies everything that, that I find of value in the world and what helps me move forward through challenges or crises. It's a wonderful motto for living. Wonderful. So is it the power of prayer, energy of love, strength of faith, and the fourth one was? The promise of hope. Promise of hope. Wonderful. Yeah. Thanks a lot for sharing uh, that with us. And sometimes, you know, our words have such an impact on us that even if we read a particular sentence or a phrase, it has an energetic response on our bodies. And as you were reading that particular sentence, the power of prayer, energy of love, strength of faith and promise of hope, it automatically uh, positively transformed my energy as I was listening to you. And I'm sure has the same effect on so many of our listeners listening to this episode right very now. So thanks a lot for sharing. Uh, and so let's begin uh, today's uh, interview with this question. What are the archetypes? Archetypes are two-dimensional as opposed to three-dimensional. Okay. We are three-dimensional beings. We're, we're multi-dimensional beings. But archetypes are only two-dimensional. They're flat. They don't change. You know, Mickey Mouse is an archetype. Rambo is an archetype. Um, uh, the priest is an archetype. The mother is an archetype. These identities that are that we take on, we, abs we absorb these archetypes, we make them our own and we live our lives many of us live our lives quite unconsciously in low energy archetypes like the victim the martyr servant or sometimes something happens to us in life and we find ourselves plummeting into what i call low energy or negative archetypes and i believe that archetypes and the chakras have a beautiful relationship the chakras are the ladder of love and empowerment and evolvement and enlightenment. And they embody archetypes, positive and negative archetypes that have to do with how we take responsibility for our lives, the amount of energy we can generate and the empowerment, the level of empowerment that we can harness from these archetypes. And we want to be able to transform our archetypes and keep moving to the highest level of empowerment, responsibility, and energy. Mm. I was a student once at the Jung Institute in Zurich, and I saw something that really shook my world. I saw people in their 80s and 90s who were teachers of Carl Jung's work, Carl Jung's psychological work, and they would come into the lecture hall and read and, and discuss very deep topics about human evolution for hours, for hours, they had vitality, they had beauty, they had sexuality. They were amazing people, and it totally transformed the archetype, in my mind, of what old age was. You know, old age was very lack of mind, dementia, illness, um, people stooped over, wrinkled, disheveled, you know, the archetype of the old person. And they totally defied my idea of what old age was. What I saw was noble, it was beautiful, it was highly intelligent. And Carl Jung was the one who opened the doors to archetypes for me. I read his book, The Archetypes of the Collective Unconscious, and that totally transformed. At the time, I was an artist, a young art student in London, and it totally transformed my, my work. And I was so taken with this book that I actually went to the Young Institute and studied there for a term. And I met some outstanding people, most of them old enough to be my great-grandparent. And I thought, I better let go of this idea that old age is a horrible thing because I saw wisdom, maturity, grace in front of me. And that started me thinking about energy and archetypes. Got it. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks a lot for sharing that, uh, Action Tribe. As we're learning today, archetypes are two-dimensional. They're flat. They don't change. Okay. And some 
amazing examples like uh, Ambika shared is Rambo, the mother, Mickey Mouse. And these are identities that we take on. They are not us, but these are identities that we take on for a period. Uh, and of course, the archetypes can be low or high energy. And each chakra has an associated positive and negative archetype as well, which we learn more about. But what I found fascinating was your experience uh, at Carl Jung's school, where you saw elderly people teach these amazing, deep, esoteric topics on human evolution for hours and hours. And that changed your perception that you had associated with old age uh, into something that was noble, wise, intelligence. Uh, and that sort of uh, sparked your, your curiosity into learning more about the archetypes. Now, I've read parts of the book by Joseph Campbell, The Hero's Journey, where wow. he talks about the archetypes. And uh, that really fascinated me because when I uh, read his book, of course, I'd seen Star Wars. Uh, and so many other movies that are based on the archetypes. But after reading the book, that sort of made me look at the movies very differently in terms of how they use archetypes in their characters and how the same character might have different archetypes throughout the, diff throughout the movie. Uh, so, uh, you know, is your knowledge of these archetypes, are they similar to what Joseph Campbell speaks about? Oh, absolutely. Joseph Campbell was a student of Carl Jung's. And, oh, okay. Yeah, and he just took it further. He took archetypes further and he in his writing about the hero's journey he talks about this transcendence from one archetype to the other yes he's, he's right one of the things carl jung said was never identify with your archetype mm. you are more than a mother you are more than a father you are more than a a child you are more than a patient you are a person in your totality and you know it, think about that if you just identify with your your archetype, you're going to stay very stuck. I'm a doctor. I'm a healer. I'm a student. I'm a, I'm a bad boy. Whatever those archetypes are that you constellate in your mind, don't identify with them. Learn to transcend your archetype and become more. Absolutely. And depending on the on the phase of life that you're in, you might associate yourself with different archetypes, right? So, so for example, when you've given birth, maybe you're more of the mother archetype or maybe when you start a business, you get into the hero archetype and then once you've established your business and you see your role as more of leadership, you get the mentor archetype, sort of the Yoda archetype where you're dishing out wisdom to help other other. Uh, people evolve and ascend as well. Yes, absolutely. And that's what the archetypes and the chakras are about. It, it's moving through these archetypes to much more empowered, more energetic, more responsible archetypes. And it does have to do with the aging process, the maturation process, stepping into your power. There's nothing more inappropriate than seeing people who stay very attached to their archetypes and don't evolve. You know, nobody likes a victim nobody likes to see people in perpetual victimhood that is not a life-sustaining archetype when people are in arc um, in victim they need to transform that one quickly because there's no energy in victimhood it has to energy has to be sourced externally you need external sources resources in order to pull yourself out of victimhood so the thing that's so interesting to me is from victim which has no energy no internal energy to the highest level of of um, spiritual attainment which is the guru they source their own energy they are the source mm. and they are totally connected to source to the greater source so they have the ability to manifest whatever it is they need they know that everything everything comes from the divine as opposed to the external reality of the victim where the victim doesn't have food shelter money, health, the guru, the archetype of the guru, knows that everything is manifested from the divine, and it comes. It comes because they're intentional in creating it. So it's it's quite a difference between the lowest level in the root chakra to the highest level in the crown chakra. Wonderful. Now, as I was doing some research in preparation for our interview, I actually came across a very nice chart of the chakras and their archetypes. And it seems like the person made it after reading your book, Chakras and Their Archetypes. And she's given you credit for that also below. Uh, but anyway, I'm, I'm just having a look at that. And uh, as you described, the victim, which is, seems like a negative archetype, for the root chakra and the guru is a positive archetype for the seventh chakra so this ascendance 
between archetypes is this chronological over a period of time yes. does it step it by step can, okay it certainly it is chronological because you know the chakras are age related and age appropriate from conception to seven rules the root chakra from seven to 14 the sacral chakra from 14 to 21 the solar plexus from 21 to 28 the heart chakra from 28 to 36 the throat chakra from 36 to 42 the brow chakra from 42 to 50 the the crown chakra and it just keeps going so yes there's it would be inappropriate for a child to manifest the brow chakra you know those are aberrations of energy and we call them geniuses yeah. but you know it's a like the body develops and grows in certain stages so does the energy field the energy field too is you know it brings things in from past lives but it it also has familial pre uh, genetic predisposition and when you see people that are arrested in their development their chakras are also arrested in development it's there's no flow of energy and i'm a homeopath that's my my work my daily work it's seeing what you can do to transform these archetypes so that people become more empowered and more of who they are destined to be so that and that's that's something I see pathology can certainly deteriorate a chakra. Uh, an accident can affect the, the well-being of a chakra. Shock can definitely block energy. And nothing like negative thinking. There's nothing like negative thinking for blocking the energy. We all know that. But it also blocks the flow of the chakra. Got it. Now, uh, Ambika, people who are listening to uh, this episode right now, in fact, there are many different types of listeners. Some uh, are people who have been listening for a long time, you know, maybe have already listened to our last episode, whereas some people are comparatively new to the journey. Maybe they're new to the concept of chakras as well. So uh, could you could you talk to us a bit about the role of the chakras, uh, the role that they play in our lives? Sure. Chakra is a Sanskrit word that means wheel of light, and it refers to the energy field of certain parts of our body. The root chakra is based in the base of the spine, and it rules our physical life. It rules birth, the birthing process. It governs our feet, our legs, our hips, the rectum. It's our ground of being, it's the foundation upon which life manifests, is through the root chakra. And it has a very strong organizing principle. A healthy root chakra has structure, it has stability, it has security, it ensures the right to your own life. If you think about all the refugees in the world today, how compromised their root chakras are, They're, they've been pulled up away from their homes, away from many of these people so tied to the land, deeply tied to the land. And when that has been violated in some way, they lose their rooting. They lose their grounded being. It's a terrible thing to think of people being uprooted and ungrounded. So these principles, these I call them qualities and life issues that pertain to the chakras, these are very, very important. And I say to people, if you don't have this built in, then create it with your mind. That's the power of the mind, to be able to generate the energetic forces that can expand the chakras and give them balance, give them form, give them grace. Many ways to do it. Many images that you can just visualize that will expand the root chakra. The second chakra is called, I'm going to use the English words, not the the Sanskrit words, but the second chakra is called the sacral chakra. It sits in the abdomen above the root chakra. It governs the sex glands. It governs the kidney um, chi or the kidney energy of the adrenal cortex, although the kidneys themselves are ruled by the root chakra. and But the adrenal cortex is also uh, very involved with the sacral chakra. It, it governs the flow of fluid in the body because the ch chakras are also ruled by the elements. The element that rules the root chakra is earth, earth itself. The element for the sacral chakra is water, the element of water. So it controls the fluids in the body. It controls emotion and motion itself. It's the 
all athletes move from this center for the sacral chakra. In Chinese medicine, it's called the dentian. That's where they come in Tai Chi, Qigong. But a ballerina or a world-class athlete, let me tell you, they have a beautiful sacral chakra, strong, resilient, healthy people have good, strong sacral chakras. And the qualities of the sacral chakra are health, beauty and resiliency, abundance, the ability to thrive and prosper, unconditional love, the ability to forgive and find gratitude in your experience, self-love, the right to happiness, and pleasure. Those are the qualities that I've given to the sacral chakra. So if you don't have those built in, create them with your mind. I have a meditation on my website that's free. People can go to it and listen to it to build this energetic body. And then the next chakra up is the solar plexus, which sits right below the sternum, below the diaphragm, over the stomach. And it has to do with, at a physical level, digestion. Our stomach, our gallbladder and liver, our spleen and pancreas, small intestine. It has to do with self-worth self-esteem, personal confidence, our ability to manifest what we want and need, and ultimately our freedom to choose. So those are the three lower chakras that are ruled by tribe, clan, family, and they are called the personal chakras. Once you transcend the diaphragm and come up to the heart chakra, you are what are called the transpersonal chakras that have to do with relationships. And they are about love, expression, clarity of thought, your right to think, and ultimately your relationship with the divine. So I can certainly tell you the qualities that I've attributed to these chakras. The heart chakra is about love. It's about our ability to receive love and to give love. And that is the love-dub, love-dub, love-dub of the human heart. The qualities are love, peace, and joy, brotherhood and sisterhood. It's very simple, very, very simple. The um, qualities of the throat chakra, which sit around the jaw, they feed energy into the ears, the mouth, the throat, the external and internal throat, the back of the neck. The qualities are truth, both your personal truth and the higher truth of God, your integrity, your personal integrity to do what you say you're going to do and be in truth. Clear communication, creativity, and willpower work from this chakra. And then above that is the brow chakra. The qualities are wisdom, discernment, knowledge, intuition, and imagination. And then above that, the last chakra I work with is called the crown chakra. And its qualities are beauty, bliss, contentment, inspiration and that, yeah good well thanks a lot for sharing that it you know every time I, I i listen to someone like you or somebody else explain the chakras it sort of re reaffirms this wonderful knowledge that is available right uh, and 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 like you mentioned the uh, how the elements affect our chakras and uh, uh, you know how they manifest in our lives as well is, is, is so beautiful uh now now that we have an understanding of, you know, the different chakras from, from the root chakra all the way up to the crown chakra, could you walk us through some of the archetypes? Because you have spoken about the victim archetype uh, uh, as well as the guru archetype, which is, you know, the highest uh, and the most positive at the seventh level. But could you give us a, an overview of some of the other archetypes um, sure, okay. that are associated with chakras? Yeah. I'll go through the chakras. So the two chakras that I use for the Root chakra, the negative, is the victim, the one who is the least powered, has the least amount of energy, and takes the least responsibility for their situation. The positive archetype is the mother, and the mother is the one who kisses it and makes it all better. The mother is the primary archetype of life itself, and it doesn't matter whether you're male or female. We all embody the great mother, all of us. And she is revered in every culture, whether it's in India with Kali, or it's Kuan Yin in Buddhism, or it's the Blessed Virgin Mary in Christianity, the Shekinah in Judaism. It's all, we all honor the mother. 
as the source of life. And this means that we, to learn how to mother, if we've had poor mothering in our actual history, to learn how to take care of ourselves, to learn how to self-care, to learn how to feed ourselves and keep ourselves clean and to find the boundaries that, that protect us, to keep us safe and secure. That's what a mother does. And that's something a lot of people, a lot, a lot of people don't have access to that knowing, to that, to that archetype. It's, it really needs, if you don't have it, it needs to be developed. And it's something actually that can be taught to people. Sometimes we're lucky enough to find models, to find mother, people who will be the mother archetype for us for a period of time so we can embody it ourselves and there is a father archetype but it's it's at a different chakra so those are the those are the root chakra archetypes the second chakra which is about ultimately about abundance and well-being and health and beauty and self-love the arch the negative archetype is the martyr the person who cannot and will not allow pleasure into their lives they're sour they're dried up. They don't take any pleasure in life. They don't take pleasure in their body, sexuality, sensuality. They just, for whatever reason, have a very negative view of pleasure. And the positive archetype I call the emperor or empress, people who are just really delighted with the, with the joys of physical living. Now, this is not spiritual. Let me make this really clear. We're too far down the ladder for it to be spiritual. But it is about pleasure. It is about appetite. This chakra controls appetite. So it's allowing the good, the tasty, the sweet. It's called Svadhisthana in, in uh, Sanskrit, which means my own sweet abode. My own home sweet home. That's what we say in English. It's home sweet home. So it's about allowing the sweetness of life to find its way into our life, to release bitterness, to release anger, to release enmity, to find what is good and clean and joyful in life and have fun. This is the fun chakra. This is the chakra. This is unconditional love chakra. This is, there's a lot of goodness in this chakra, but we have to allow it in. We have to, it doesn't, if you think this is going to be something that's going to be given to you on a silver platter, that's called entitlement. This is a different level of allowing the good to come in, of finding pleasure. Simple, 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 beautiful things of life. The smile of a baby, the sound of kids, bird song in the morning, flowers blooming in a park or a garden. Or it's just finding joy and being alive, really. So that's the sacral chakra. The solar plexus, which is ruled by the fire element is about worth and those so the two archetypes I have are the warrior archetype and the servant the servant is more empowered than the martyr and the victim but still needs acknowledgement from the external world it's honey do I, honey do I look fat in these jeans that's what puts people into a servant when you are defined by other people when you let other people define you and your worth, you become a servant. You become a slave, actually, to that external acknowledgement. Knowing who you are and what battles you're going to fight, that's what the warrior does. And it comes of age at 21 when people reach their majority, and it's time to get out there and do battle in the world. It's time to, to create an ego that's as strong as what Jung called steel against stone. Know who you are. And you have to have worthy opponents. Rambo would not be happy if people just acquiesced to him. He's, he's a good archetype because he doesn't change. But he's always fighting the battle for love, victory, and the glory of God. And that's the warrior. The warrior is used to be a very masculine archetype, kind of the father archetype. But really, women have embodied it very well now. We've got this Wonder Woman movie that's taken the world by, by storm and She's, she's a warrior. She's a feminine warrior. And, um, you know, it's an archetype that's been acknowledged since very, very ancient times, for men particularly. 
the temple. So this was the father archetype that you spoke about earlier. Is this? One? Yes, it's it's a father archetype. Yeah. Okay. The warrior. You want you want a father to teach you how to be in the world. That's what fathers do. Mm-hmm. They don't protect you from the world like the mother. They show you how to get yourself out into the world and do. It's about doing, and a good father sees your talents. He knows your sensitivity. He doesn't bully you. He doesn't push you, but he, he gets you out there. How are you gonna How are you gonna survive out there in the world? You know, that's that's part of. Even if you go against what your father has wanted you to do in life, if you don't want to go into his business or do what he does or go to university, you're still gonna want to do something to be in the world. And that takes that warrior energy. I'm going to do this the way I want to do it. And though a father may not like it, he will admire that warrior quality. So the warrior and the servant, you know, the servant needs, the servant will do exactly what the father tells him to do. He'll be the good, the good child. But the warrior will say, no, I'm going to do this the way I feel I want to do it. I was listening to Bob Dylan's um, acceptance speech for the Nobel Prize for Literature. It was recently online, and you know he was living. He said he was living at home, and he was listening to um, you know these people who inspired him, these great um, these great, great singers and songwriters. And he said, "I just wanted to get out there and write songs, so I did. I left and went out there and wrote songs. You know." Dad had a furniture business in Minneapolis. I'm sure he wanted little Bobby Zimmerman, who he was then, to go out and sell furniture. But he he knew what he wanted to do. He he was a warrior, and and that's part of our age. That's certainly part of our time. Is people saying, you know, Dad, I'm gonna I have a different way of looking at it. I, you know, my dad said he said to me when I was 13, you should be a teacher. And I thought I don't want to be a teacher, Dad. I don't like my teachers so much. I don't want to fiddle with audiovisual equipment, and I still don't like doing that. But I became a different kind of teacher, a teacher about energy, a teacher about about life at, at a very different level. And although my father's not on this earth plane, I, I hope that he's saying, well, she did what she wanted to do, and she's done it well. You know, that's that blessing you want. But sometimes you just have to give to yourself if people don't really understand what it is you want to do. So those are... The three, as I said before, the three personal chakras, tribe, clan, family, institution. And, and also, really quickly, sometimes, uh, uh, you know, like you said, the, the father archetype or the warrior archetype, or the father, like you mentioned, uh, teaches the offspring or the child to take action in the world, right? And to actualize what he or she was meant to do. And sometimes, uh, I'm not sure if you notice this, uh, a father might... Um, you know, recommend or choose uh, or instruct the the child to do something that is safer just because the father sees himself in the child and wants to protect. Yes, I agree. I have a friend who is a amateur pianist, a wonderful concert pianist whose profession is, is that he's a surgeon and he's made a great deal of money being a surgeon for many years, but his heart was in music. And his parents refused to let him pursue that. And I always thought, what a tragedy. What a tragedy to not pursue what your heart longs to do. You know, they say, follow your heart. Follow your heart and the money will come. And I believe in that. Wholeheartedly believe, follow your heart. I don't know how people can do jobs they don't like. I I really don't. I know how you can, because to me, that's a recipe for, for sickness and illness. You've got to be able to love what you do, love what you do. I see people, I see some people work manual labor and still at the end of the day have a smile on their face. They have to love what they do. They have to love the earth enough, love moving their physical body enough to be able to have a smile on your face at the end of the day. And to go to bed with a sense of satisfaction you know, love God and do good is one of my mottos. I like that expression a lot. And it comes from Judaism, and it's a beautiful expression. Love God and do good, and at the end of the day, you want to say, I've done some good. And that comes from the heart. Yes, you don't want me to be your vocational counselor. 
I'm going to tell you, what is it you want to do now? What is it that, what is it that makes your world sing? And what is it that makes your heart smile? Because that's going to be what you want to do. And if it's like Bob Dylan going out there and writing, he said he couldn't stop writing. You know, he was about inspiration. If you ever get a chance, just Google Bob Dylan's Nobel Prize speech because it was so inspiring to me to hear him just share what he loves doing. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the next chakra, the next is the heart chakra and the archetypes are interesting they are the fool and the actor or actress now one of the ways we learn about love is through imitation we love in the way we were loved and that's what i call the actor or the actress the fool the fool is in the tarot card the fool is that archetype that just loves unconditionally unconditionally and when you meet them sometimes their spiritual teachers or gurus sometimes they're just people who are really happy really happy and their joy for life is so contagious I've met a few in my life not many but a few and I've had the privilege of going to India to a spiritual teacher who was truly the embodiment of of unconditional love and you know seeing that once in your life you'll never forget it it will inspire you to keep your heart open so, so really quickly over here, I'm sure many of our listeners uh, have the same question in their minds. Obviously, uh, it's a process, right? We can't yeah. get to that state. And it's difficult in many cases. But how do we get to that uh, state of uh, unconditional love? I mean, what can we do in order for it to be more natural to really shower that unconditional love uh, with whoever we meet without coming across as an actor? Because sometimes if you try, it might seem like you're acting, even though you're making efforts. And like they say, I, I forgot that uh, sent, that that phrase which says, you know, uh, if you imitate, you ultimately it comes true or something like that. But how how do we how do we get to that state of unconditional love and authenticity? I think two things: we forgive, we forgive the past, we forgive the limitations, we forgive the situations we don't like, we forgive, and then we're grateful. I think gratitude is the ultimate trigger for unconditional love. I am grateful to be alive. I am grateful to breathe this air. I am grateful to be here talking to you today. I am grateful. And what does that do? It just expands that heart chakra to such a place that, you know, you, you exude that. I am pure love is a beautiful affirmation. I am pure love. That's something I, I heard my spiritual teacher say, I am pure love. And I, it's a beautiful affirmation. How could we be anything else? How could we be anything else at core? The rest is just stuff that will fall away. You know, if you really focus in the heart, if you are that pure love, everything that isn't love will fall away. But that's work. To me, that's really work. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it might be easier out there working manual labor than to really come from a place. But you've got to want it. And you that was the beauty of seeing it in India for my spiritual teacher. Once you've seen it, once you've been in the presence of that extraordinary love, it's like, whoa, I'll have some of that, you know, give me that put that on my menu i'll put that on my dance i mean wow who would not want that so so talk to us about that story which took you to india what what was it like and and who did you meet ah uh, i went i was a student a homeopathic student in london in, in and okay. um, a homeopath came through on his way to india his name was murray feldman and he was going to see his spiritual teacher a man named papaji or Punjaji was his name, and he lived in Lucknow in Uttar Pradesh, and he loved this man, and this man loved Murray. And Murray said, come, come to India with me. I said, what? <laughs> what? What do you mean just come to India? And I'd wanted to go to India for years. This was not, you know, this wasn't just out of the blue. He triggered something, and I thought, and I just sold some property, and I had some money. It, my which year was this? 1990. 
And usually, usually I say, I'm sorry, I don't have the money. I can't do that. But I had yeah. the money. I had the money. And I, <laughs> I wanted to go to India for years and years. I would dream about India. So I had to, to do a course. I, I was in a class and I needed to finish the class. It was a two course coming to culmination. So I said, Marie, I'll meet you out there. So Marie went on to India and I did what I had to do, went to the Indian embassy, got a visa, booked a flight on Air India and got on the plane. And the minute I got on the plane, it was like being in India. It was just amazing. I, was, I wasn't in England anymore. I was totally transported. And I, I had long hair at the time. And that the air hostesses braided my hair like they do with Indian women, you know, the beautiful plait down the back. And oh, it was okay. just, I was just like, wow, this is amazing. And so I stayed in Delhi a couple of days and then I took the train, a very long train ride, about a nine hour train ride to Mucknow. And there was a Sangha there, a group of people who had come to see Papaji. He had a home there, he had been a civil engineer and was retired, lived off a small state pension. And um, he was close to 90. I think he was 89 when I met him. Vigorous man, vigorous man. Just this great, again, this amazing archetype of compassion and wisdom and love and humor. I mean, he could, he would tell stories and I would laugh till the tears came down my face. He, and it was a small sangha. It was a small group of people. There were maybe 25, 30 people at the time. I was very lucky. I was very fortunate when I went that there, he wasn't very well known at the time. And there were people from all over. There were, and he drew a lot of healers. There were a lot of homeopaths. There were medical doctors. There were Ayurvedic practitioners. So there was a lot of talk when we were outside, you know, getting to know one another. There was a lot of talk about medicine and healing. And that's how he gave me the name, Ambika. I did some healing on him. I, oh, okay. I had developed these homeopathic color remedies. And um, I was just in the process of testing them out when I left England. And, and I saw a lot of color, clairvoyantly saw color around him. I saw the color violet. He, he had problems with his feet. He had platter, fasci he had platter fasciitis and, and his feet hurt. And he said, can you do anything for my feet? And I said, yes, I'd love to give you a color remedy. And he said, how do you do that? And I thought, well, that's a good question. I'm going to have to go out in Lucknow and purchase the, all the things I needed to make the homeopathic remedy. So I went and I got beakers and I got pure water and I got Indian silk. And I made this remedy of Violet 6X and all, all of his pain went away. And it was it was kind of terrifying. <laughs> so all I can tell you is like, what have I done to the guru? I mean, <laughs> so I came in the next day and he said, I have a new name for you. And I said, what is that? He said, it's Ambika. That's how they say it in India, Ambika. And I, I said, oh, what does it mean? And he said, and you can see the people looking at me, what is she asking the guru? What does it mean? <laughs> Isn't it obvious? <laughs> she, she people. Said, yeah. What does it mean? And he says, it means universal mother. Well, it was the day, that date, which was December 17th, 1990, was my mother's birthday. And my mother had been gone. She had died many, many years before. And I said, oh, it's my mother's birthday. So I took the name. I thought, this is a beautiful name. And he said to me, this name will draw to you that which you need, and it will keep away from you that which you don't need. So I said, okay, I embrace this name. And and I went back to England. He, I wanted to stay. I really loved being with him. I loved the whole, I loved India. And I wanted to stay. And he said, no, you have work to do, young lady. You go back. You finish mm. your empathic studies. You do some good in the world. So there it was again. Love God and do good. And I did. I went back to England and worked on these remedies for another eight years. It took me eight more years to, right. to really get them to the point where I... I could put them out into the world, but I was writing. I had already started. No, I wasn't writing when I went to India, but when I came back, his blessing was so strong. I started writing the first book, which was called um, Healing with the Chakras. And the second book, which was Arch Chakras and Their Archetypes, came. And then and more books came. 
and then finally in 1997, I came back to the United States after being away for 30 years, and I wrote Homeopathic Color Remedies. And I was blessed with publishers. I was blessed with a brilliant agent, Susan Mears, who I'd been with for 28 years, and and it all kind of, you don't see it at the time, but looking back in retrospect, it all fell into place in a pretty amazing way. And I attribute that to having met him and having been blessed by him because he was absolutely the good father. He was absolutely, it wasn't go out into the world and make money. It was go out into the world and do good and, and share these gifts. And, you know, he passed away. Oh, I guess he's been gone a good while. Oh, maybe 15, 16 years he's, he's been gone. But I still see him on Facebook. You know, I see him every day. Every day I get a little personal inspiration from Papaji. You can just Google Papaji and hear him talk. Thank goodness, video. Thank goodness that he was recorded and that I can see that every single day if I need to. And I, I just the sound of his voice or just seeing him smile. Just that goodness and that the good cheer and the goodwill of that man was transformative. He was medicine for me and medicine for many, many people. And if anybody really wants to see that goodness, they just go on Facebook and put in Papaji. He's there. Intelligent, wise, compassionate, funny, very funny. Um, what a blessing. What a blessing for me in my life. Because, yeah, gave me the gave me the courage to live that warrior archetype. Really to open my heart. So let's go on to the throat chakra. The archetypes of the throat chakra are interesting too. The negative one is the silent child and the positive one is the communicator. So the negative child puts its chin down over covers its throat and just is shy, just doesn't say no, doesn't say ouch, it hurts or leave me alone. No, the negative child doesn't know how to say no. The communicator is very clear about communicating clearly, succinctly. The throat chakra is the bridge between the brow chakra and the heart. So the thoughts of the mind and the love of the heart combine in the throat chakra to be able to speak clearly, to be able to transform energy through the power of the spoken word or the written word, because the throat chakra has so much to do with creativity. Or singing. Again, Bob Dylan won the Nobel Prize for Literature for his songs. You know, it's such a powerful thing to be able to be a communicator in the world and share goodness. And you talked about the power of the spoken word transforming you. And I wanted to say, I've learned to write in a way that strips out all the negativity I'm aware of so that each word has a vibration that's powerful and uplifting. That, to me, is hugely important. Yeah. So those are the archetypes of the throat chakra. The brow chakra is the intellectual and the wise person. And the intellectual is the person who just lives in their head over there in left brain territory. And they're, they're dry. It's what the French call sec. They're very dry. It's all intellectual psychobabble. It's not a living embodiment of the word. The wise person, the wise archetype, wise person archetype draws from draws from wisdom from their life experience. And they use both sides of the brain, the left and the right hemisphere, to create visionary thinking. It's a powerful archetype. And sometimes that's the last archetype. But the crown chakra has to do with our connection with the divine. And that they're very interesting archetypes. There's the guru that I mentioned, and there's and there's the egotist. Now the egotist, that's a very high level of empowerment. Don't think it's not. Yeah, that's true. But it's not they think they're doing it all themselves, that it doesn't come from the divine. The guru knows everything. Everything comes from God everything and to forget that is to be a fool so those are the archetypes of responsibility energy and empowerment 
and they I stop at the crown chakra there are more chakras above that but that's all that I work with that's all I'm able to handle energetically but if you can work with that ladder of love it's it's a recipe for maturation for growing up for developing a strong sense of self and a whole identity that is not really about archetypes but about self and self is that wholeness that place where the divine lives in us so that pretty much covers the archetypes of the chakras wonderful well, well thanks a lot for sharing all that information over here i'm sure many of our listeners are taking notes or maybe uh, trying to visualize these archetypes in their life and uh, you know make sense or out of maybe the situations that they're that they're in or maybe the, the repetitive behaviors that they find themselves in from time to time. But let's talk specifically about the heart chakra and the heart right now. Now, from my study and from what I'm learning from mentors and from your, what you're sharing as well, I'm finding out that there is so much to learn about the heart, right? It's way more than just the organ pumping blood that some people consider it to be. Uh, and recently I, I attended a workshop uh, on heart imagery, how to move your consciousness into your heart and then meditate because then the experience is completely different. So based on your knowledge, what is the function of the heart? To love. <laughs> to love. To be able to receive love and to give love. And to be at peace. And to accept joy. Peace, love, and joy. I have a friend, an older woman, and she says, nope, I don't read the paper. Nope, I don't listen to the news. It doesn't, it doesn't uh -huh. give me peace, love, or joy. <laughs> And I love that. <laughs> yep, if you could put everything, does this give me peace, love, or joy? Yes, then I'll take it. If it doesn't, not interested. What an amazing yeah, way. It's just it. not worth it, right? Not worth it. It creates so much aggravation. And it's, I'll tell you what the heart doesn't like. The heart does not like pain, either physical pain or emotional pain. So the heart, the heart has a protector called the heart protector. And it actually lives in this sac called the myocardium, which is, you know, the sac that, that holds the physical heart. But it's also an energetic heart protector that keeps the purity and innocence of the human heart protected from assault. I once was at a prayer ceremony in um, Iona, on the Isle of Iona, uh, in Scotland, and they were... They were doing blessings, and they said, bless the joyful. And I thought, no, protect the joyful. Protect the children, protect women, protect the aged, protect the sick, protect the joyful. And I went up afterwards, I said, why did the joyful need protecting? And this man, he said, are you kidding? They're the ones that need the most protection. <laughs> Think about it. You know, we don't abide that level of joyfulness too well. We love like seriousness we like control we like people being grounded you know that that place when people become ecstatic is terribly threatening in the western world they have certainly a place for that in the east but not not in our western culture we like it tied down we like it strict we like it serious you know we think that's professional we think that's cool you know, somebody's really enjoyed, they don't fit in that that well. So they do need protection. Got it. Now, you know, looking at the auric body and the different layers of the aura, could you talk to us about how are our thoughts, emotions, and energies related to one another? Yeah. Well, there. I work with four bodies. The physical body. Okay. The next body is called the etheric body, and that holds the chakras. It's the energy body. Energy follows thought. So the next body is called the astral body. The, thought, the thoughts, desires, and aversions are generated in the astral body. The fourth body is called the egoic body, and I mean that in the most positive sense of the word, of the I am principle. It is the soul body. And it often, and what we want to do is connect all four or bodies so that we're moving in harmony and resonance with our higher purpose in life. That's why those gurus and those old people at the Jung Institute had so much energy and were so vital 
beautiful because their soul body, their astral body, their etheric body, and their physical body were all going in the same direction together. There was a harmony, a serenity, a tranquility, an absolute assurance of the goodness of life. You know, there was no prevarication. There was no doubt. There was no censor. There was no critic. They were in that love body. And that generates so much energy. It takes a, it's a training. We we have to learn to train ourselves to be to see the good in all things. I was reading something Byron Katie said the other day, everything is for the best for you. Everything. And you think about it, you think, oh no, that was a horrible situation. Well, what what was the good that came out of it? What did you get out of it? Did you get stronger? Did you get clearer about your purpose? Did you get more animated about being in the world or relating to people or being clear that you wanted love and respect and wholeness in your life? Even the bad situations are for our best. And that, to be able to train the mind to accept that and not fall into victimhood, that's work. That's what the work of therapists and healers is all about. So I guess then... I mean, apart from the fact that you can visit a healer or a therapist, a person must have these moments of reflection or contemplation from time to time in order to really assess objectively what's going on and make sense of it, right? Well, I believe in meditation. I, I meditate. Ah, okay. I meditation. And my day is, my day, if I miss meditation, I'm meditating on the go. But I really love being able to be peaceful in my meditation room and still for long periods of time to read scripture to pray to get my intentions clear that works for me i love meditation wonderful i think it's the best single tool there is but reflection is huge and time to give yourself the time for stillness one of the things papaji says is just be quiet that's what he says just be quiet quiet the mind because we we had not only identify with our archetypes, we identify with our thoughts. Mm. Just still the mind and be quiet. How beautiful. As I'm talking to you, there are two quail out in my front yard chasing one another. And my uh-huh. mind point to them right now. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's a sign. Maybe it's one of your spirit animals. <laughs> so, so, Ambika, you're a psychotherapist too, right? Is that correct? I was a psychotherapist for many years. And then I trained as a homeopath and I'm a okay. and I run a company called Life Energy Medicine. We have a school where we teach energy medicine, the work of the chakras, mm-hmm. together with homeopathy. And it's, mm-hmm. it's a very inspirational course. Our students create remedies based on prayer, based on qigong sounds, based on plants that they grow in their homes. It's a very innovative and inspirational class. And it starts in the fall. Uh, people can go onto our website and read about it. If there's something that they're interested in, it's not conventional homeopathy and it's not conventional energy medicine. It has the rigor of learning homeopathy. And so I Wonderful. teach that. I develop products with my business partner, Vinette Thorner. We create products for animals and for people that are really lovely. And I develop the homeopathic color and sound remedies, which are in all the all of our uh, remedies that we have on our website. I write books and I teach and I paint. I started painting in the past five years and I paint angels. And they're also wow. on our website. Yeah, they're beautiful. They're just beautiful. They just appear in the painting. So I try to be as creative as I can be and enjoy my life as much as I can. Absolutely. Got it. So, Ambika, based on what you've shared today, and you have shared a lot, what is that one action step you'd like to recommend for our listeners? Go inside. Look within. Look within and know who you are. Got it. We'll have this up in the show notes. Action Tribe, to access the show notes for today's episode, visit my7chakras.com forward slash 224. That's my7chakras.com forward slash 224. That's where you'll have all the links that were discussed during today's episode, as well as uh, key notes that you might have missed on. Uh, missed out on especially if you were traveling or you're in transit right now and before moving on a word from our sponsor gaia.com 
explore the vast traditions of yoga with the Gaya original series Yogic Paths. Filmed across India, the 13-episode series captures the beauty of mystical Indian landscapes and never-before-seen ashrams while taking the viewer on a journey through the many traditions of yoga. While the practice of physical postures called asanas is most well-known in the West, understanding the full scope of this rich and varied tradition gives meaning and power to the yoga that we know today. Action Tribe, since you're listening to this show, it's clear that you are interested in topics such as chakras, yoga, and self-realization, and you know exactly where to go for audio content and interviews. And I sure hope you feel this way about our show, My 7 Chakras. But where do you go if you want a streaming TV video service with the same values and similar content? The answer is Gaia.com. To start watching this show, The Yogic Paths, as well as get your first month at Gaia for just 99 cents, visit Gaia.com forward slash My 7 Chakras. That's G-A-I-A dot com forward slash My S-E-V-E-N-C-H-A-K-R-A-S. Action Tribe, many of you are looking for a transformation and a transformation could be one of health, finances and relationships and you are listening to this podcast with the hope that you may find some answers to the questions that you have. Uh, we all have some fears about life. We have some deeply rooted beliefs that may, may have acquired during childhood and we also may have worries about what might happen in the future. But sometimes you just gotta embrace your fearless spirit and take the next logical step. Realize that you are afraid but you need to take action anyway because as Joseph Campbell once said, the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure that you seek. The cave that you fear to enter holds the treasure that you seek. So Ambika, as on today, what is your life's calling? Well, my life's calling is what I'm doing, talking to you right now and writing and being creative as I can, sharing my work with the world and training people in the medicine that we've developed, life energy medicine. That's my calling. So amazing. Now, you know, as you look back at your life, was there ever a defining moment that really changed things for you? Maybe, a, you know, a book that you read or maybe an interaction that you had with somebody. But what was that defining moment that changed your life? Well, that's an interesting question because in my personal life, it's been the death of people I've loved. The death of my sister, the death of my mother, the death of my father. Those were hugely defining moments for me. And death has been a close ally in my personal life of transforming me to take the next step because I was always so afraid, so much fear. And when, you know, I had to overcome those fears. I And there were things I did after my mother's death that I never would have done before. And after my, my father's death, I started a school, never would have done that before. It, those were huge. I studied homeopathy after my sister's death because it was the only form of medicine, alternative medicine that addressed her condition. So, you know, these were not powerful. I mean, they were powerful, but they weren't what I would call positive. But they were highly, highly defining in my life. Absolutely. Changed my life unequivocally. Well, thanks a lot for sharing that. Uh, uh, and with that, we've arrived at the last round for today, which is called the Wisdom Round. You might recall it from our last interview as well consists of four questions so that our listeners can take note and take action so ambika what is the best advice that you've received from someone allow myself to be happy allow myself to be happy it's the best advice i ever was given got it so name a personal habit that keeps you going meditation it's a personal habit and what do you do during the first two hours of your day I meditate <laughs> <laughs> is that for two hours do you, do you meditate for two hours wow that's awesome that's so nice that's that's super I get up very early i get up very, very very i live in the desert i get up very early and i meditate and i love that i love that time i don't give that time up easily but great so what time do you get up and what time do you sleep i'm just trying to get an idea of uh i uh, i get up a little after five okay and the sun's up here you know it's i'm definitely I'm down near the Mexican border. The sun's up. And I usually will, if I'm writing, I will definitely take a nap in the afternoon because my brain is tired. And I go to bed around 9. nine oh, that's, that's awesome. I get a lot. I need a lot of sleep. I've always liked a lot of sleep. Got it. That's just my personal. Yeah. So name one book that you'd like to recommend for our listeners today. Hmm. 
Well, how about chakras and their archetypes? Absolutely. <laughs> I am absolutely recommend that book. Published by Random House. Been out there for 15 years. It's a wonderful book for helping. It's got meditations and questions and uh, a lot of how-to things to transform your archetypes. So Action Tribe, here's an opportunity to get your free book. Uh, I know how much you love our book recommendations, and I know many of you get these books as soon as you hear them shared on our show. And that's why Audible.com is offering Action Tribe one free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial so that you can get to check out their service. Now, in case you don't know, Audible is, is great. It has over 180,000 titles to choose from for your various devices, including bestsellers like The Chakra System by Anadia Judith, Autobiography of a Yogi by Paramahansa Yogananda, and A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. To start reading right away and to download your free audiobook, go to our website, my 7 forward slash free book. Once again, that's our website, my 7 forward slash free book to start listening. So Ambika, thank you so much for joining us once again. It was really fascinating to chat with you and get to learn more about the fascinating archetypes and how they relate to our chakras. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Before you go, tell us one thing that you're grateful for and how we can find you online. I'm grateful for life itself. Seriously, very grateful for life itself. And I'm 71 years old and I'm just grateful for every minute I have on this earth plane and the beauty that I see around me. So that's something I'm very grateful for. You can find me at www.lifeenergymedicine.com. Lifeenergymedicine, one word, dot com. It's all on the website. We'll have this link up in the show notes so that our listeners can uh, you know, click and learn more about you. And if they want to, they, they can also take your course or maybe get to see you at your next uh, you know, speech or maybe workshop as well. Uh, the link you need, Action Tribe, is www.my7chakras.com forward slash 224. You'll have this link. If you want to go to the link directly, it's lifeenergymedicine.com. So Ambika, thank you so much for coming to our show, talking to us about the power of the archetypes and chakras and taking us one step closer to a human revolution. Thank you so much for having me on your show. It's really always inspiring to be able to talk with you. You ask great questions. Thank you. You're listening to My 7 Chakras. Go to mysevenchakras.com. Download your free gift, get inspired, and take action. Transform your life today. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.